Truth and Fire, the podcast is brought to you by truthandfire.com, where we explore faith and pop culture from a witty Christian perspective. Welcome to another installment of Truth and Fire, the podcast, which picks up where Truth and Fire, the blog, leaves off. I'm your host, Verite Efeu, and you can find me at V-E-R-I-T-E-E-T-F-E-U on all social media platforms. In today's episode, we're discussing civil rights activist Sean King's recent call to tear down all depictions of white Jesus and why I'm seriously thinking about revoking my own black card. All of this and more when we return. This is Season 2, Episode 7 of Truth and Fire, the podcast. I'm your host, Verite Efeu, which simply means Truth and Fire en Francais. So guys, you may hear a little bit of background noise in today's episode. It is currently storming um, where I am in D.C., and I'm actually glad for it. It's made things a lot quieter around here, um, so in exchange for the sounds of... uh, firecrackers and fireworks and all these things popping off for the last month. Um, We now have the crackling sound of the Lord's thunder from the weather, um, which is great. Um, And I I just think that it makes everyone shut up for a second. So that's been great, which is actually great for me to record for today, because honestly, it's been challenging to try to record in this atmosphere in the past month when every other sound is pop, 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 crack, 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 you know, just foolishness going on. Um, Firecrackers, fireworks are still illegal um, here in D.C., though, for whatever reason, people are are acting like they are not. Um, And from my understanding, people have been calling the police about it um, and everything, but the police haven't been as active with um, dealing with this particular nuisance, um, probably probably because of what's going on with everything um, surrounding the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, now, speaking of Black Lives Matter, we are now officially mo- uh, officially a month into their global takeover, and a lot has transpired in that little time. Um, first, we had protests, then we had looting and destruction of property, then we had a few protest-related deaths, then we had calls to defund the police, and now the PS de Resistance, um, there's a call to remove white Jesus. Um, writer and civil rights activist Sean King, affectionately though informally known as Talcum X, has called for the removal of all statues, artwork, stained glass windows, photos, and any other image that portrays Jesus as a white European man. According to King, such a portrayal of Jesus is, quote, racist and has been used as a tool of white supremacy for centuries, unquote. Now, I want to be clear, um, Sean King's worldview and mine I, are diametrically opposed. Aside from us both attending college in the Atlanta University Consortium, the AUC is what we call it, um, he attended Morehouse and I attended Clark Atlanta, and we both wrote for the same magazine while we were in college. Um, but I don't believe outside of that, Sean and I have very much in common at all. Um, but I have to admit, I am not mad at what he's saying here. <laughs> so be patient with me, guys. Hear me out. Hear me out. Um, given the spirit of the age, 
I know that without a shadow of a doubt, Sean's call has or will be used for an ultimately nefarious agenda to attack the church. And I hope to talk a little bit more about that later, like probably in a second or so. Um, But I do believe there is some validity in the surface of what he's saying. If there wasn't, I wouldn't have had to write a piece called Christianity, the white man's religion or nah back in April, 2016. So, um, I wrote this piece about a month after I was first converted to Jesus Christ. Now, of course, I'm still relatively a babe when compared to those who've been in this thing for like a decade plus, unless you count the years I was a professing Christian, but believed the false gospel. I don't know. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> some of y'all out there would give it, give me that. I don't necessarily give it, give me that, but some of you guys would. But anyway, um, but I was for sure a baby baby when I authored um, that post. And God knows it was such a healing experience for me. Any false ideologies concerning race I once believed or bought into got fully demolished after I was done with it. And for the first time, I not only felt fully, truly, and unapologetically Christian as a Black woman, I now had the language and biblical clarity, I guess the, the apologetics, to defend my faith to my family, to friends, and anyone else who would mock Christianity as, quote-unquote, the white man's religion. Um, Because sadly, a lot of people in minority communities see Christianity this way. Um, And these images that permeate some churches don't help that. Um, They can be stumbling for new believers and, of course, off-putting for some unbelievers, right? Um, So, yeah, I think there's some validity to Sean's request. Um, let alone the fact that there shouldn't even be images up of Jesus in the first place, right, Um, per the second commandment. Um, But we'll, of course, we'll talk more about that later. But I want to take a moment to now segue into um, why why I believe what Sean is saying is is very uh, telling to why I had to write Christianity, the white man's religion or not. So if you guys can indulge me for a moment, let me recap that piece so that I can bring you up to speed and we'll continue the conversation from there. Okay. So as I mentioned, I was a brand spanking new believer when I wrote this piece. Um, I did depend on scripture, but I also depended on some just plain old common sense, which of course we know is held together through Christ, right? So the basic elemental things of this world are held together through Christ just as much as the deep theological things. And when you do not have Christ in your heart, even the most common, basic common sense things um, begin to uh uproot for you. So I bring this up because (laughs) it's just so plain to me, but I'm going to go ahead and go through about four myths that I worked to debunk, if you will, through scripture and just plain old common sense, of course, um, as I wrote this piece. So the first myth is the Bible condones slavery. The Bible condones slavery. So I'm sure many of you have heard that, especially if you're black um, and you're a black Christian. You've heard people go, why do you believe in that religion that condones the enslavement that was used to abuse you and blah, 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 blah. But the reality is um, when people are using this argument, they're usually talking about the King James version of the Bible. And interestingly, if you look through it, the word slave And the word slaves, plural, 
only appear in the KJV text once each. Okay, so slave appears in the Old Testament um, in Jeremiah 2.14. And when you look that up through the concordance, that particular term means homeborn. It's used to, uh, used to refer to a homeborn slave in the context is used to um, refer to someone who is adopted, an adopted son or a servant um, who is protected by and now belonging to the family of God. So that's what that word means. Um, the term slaves, plural, appears in Revelation 18.13 in the New Testament, of course. And that term was translated um, from Greek, of course, and it means, the, 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 it means, well, I should say, in English, it means a literal or figurative body. So, it, you know, it means the word body, okay? And um, so there's no English translation for the Hebrew term slave, right? And when you look at the Greek, that particular translation is literally referring to body or bodies as in bodies of men or the body of Christ. So in context, chapter 18 is telling the Babylonians, telling of the Babylonians judgment, which we know is just a secular society. That's what the Babylonians represent in the Bible, a secular society, a godless, a godless society, um, pagan society. Um, there is, it's talking about that society's judgment and the impending destruction. And in verse 13, it is a continuation of the references to Babylon's sinful practices and means of wealth creation, which includes their participation in tr the trading of the bodies of men. So the term slavery, okay, doesn't even appear in the King James Version of the Bible. Um, and we know that when people are talking about um, slavery, they're often referring to the American slave trade. They're referring to the way in which slavery was practiced um, throughout um, the, the American slave trade in, in her territories, of course, right? So scripture is very, very, very clear that the slave trade was is not something the Lord condones, right? It's not something that the Lord um, approves of, okay? Um, so moving on, so it says the term slavery does not appear in the KJV, yet what does appear quite often is the concept of servitude. The terms servant or servants are directly translated from Hebrew um, and, and Greek, and both translation mean all manner of servitude, just as the terms mean in English. A servant could be an indentured servant, a bond servant, a man or maid servant, a, a, labor, a laborer, a worshiper, a worker, an apprentice, anyone subservient to another so context is key so i try to make that clear so context is key because we do know that the term slave does carry a negative connotation no matter how people use it but at the same time if you care about context you will understand that not all um references to what would be um uh being a servant of someone is necessarily hard oppressive rigorous um, heavy burdened, heavy laden slavery, right? Um, but in all contexts of the term, one thing that is consistent is God's strict instructions in the Old and New Testament for how servants should be treated. 
As such, the Bible makes it clear that God does not condone slavery as it was practiced in the United States. The Bible condemns kidnapping and selling the kidnapping and selling of another person. We find that in Exodus 21, 16 and 1 Timothy 1, 9 through 11 and in Revelation 18, 13. Um, God also requires that servants be treated fairly. We see that in Colossians 4, 1. We see that God condemns masters who threaten their servants. We see that in Ephesians 6 and 9. And we see that the word and of course God condemns personal injury, maiming and other harsh physical abuses, namely those leading to death. We see that in Exodus 21 uh, verse 20 and verses 26 through 27. So further, the word says if someone is a foreign servant, if a foreign servant escaped from their master, God instructed the Israelites to allow that person to, do, to dwell wherever they wished in their land, right? So if that, that person came to their land and they were escaping harsh, oppressive treatment, the Lord said, let them dwell wherever they um, wherever they wish in their land. And the Israelites were not to return them to their former masters, nor were they to mistreat them. We see that in Deuteronomy 23, um, uh, verses 15 and 16. So rounding up Africans to deliver them into a foreign land where they would be subjected to hard labor, subpar and unfair living conditions, beatings and disfigurement, threats, lynching and being murdered by any other you know and being murdered by any other means and having no way of escape from such conditions were all unacceptable by God and cannot be justified by his word so these are things that we need to keep in mind so yes the bible um does not um explicitly say um slavery in america is condemned but through these different verses if you actually have a careful and um uh, true reading of the scriptures, you will see that slavery as it was practiced in America is indeed condemned. Okay. So the paradigm in which you're reading the Bible will definitely dictate how you see the word servant, servitude, um, bond, servant, slave, whatever the case may be. So servitude in itself is not inherently evil, of course. Um, however, the inhumane servitude, servitude under oppressive, unfair and brutal treatment or entered into as a result of being kidnapped and sold um, as was practiced in America and her territories is condemned in the Bible via God's repeated instructions against such practices okay so that's what I discuss in that particular or what that's what I share to debunk that particular myth you guys can go back and read the piece for more information Moving on to myth two, I'm going to speed up because I want to make sure I stay within my time limits. I don't want this to be a two hour episode. So myth two, King James, um, a white man made up uh, the Bible and Christianity. So the thing I find interesting about this particular claim or this particular myth is the fact that people forget that King James was the king of England. And for most people, we know that traditionally England is full of white people. So... And we know that King James was white. So my question is, if I'm king, right? If I'm the king of a land, right? I have sovereignty in this land. I rule this land, right? Okay, I'm a monarch. And I have all this power and authority. And if I can make up any religion in the world, the religion I'm going to be sure to make up is going to be based on a... Middle Eastern man 
somebody else, right? King James could have made himself Jesus, right? But he didn't. He didn't, right? He didn't do that. I'm just saying, if we if we, if we want to go with the argument that King James made up Christianity and made up the Bible, I think it's really interesting that a white king um, of England would choose to make up a religion based on a man um, born in the Middle East, right outside of um, Africa. Um, I just don't know <laughs> that that would make sense. And I also don't know why this king would not make himself a deity, but instead would base this religion that he's making up, quote unquote, on another man and saying that that man is a deity. You know what I mean? So that's where the common sense comes in. Okay. That's, that's where the common sense comes in. So like I said, I was a new believer when I wrote this piece. So, um, I wasn't, I had, didn't have all the scriptures like that. I still, still don't still learning, but I wasn't throwing scripture. I wasn't slanging scripture as much as I do now. <laughs> and I was like, let's just look at this with common sense. Like, even if you don't even, you're not yet there with reading the Bible, just use some common sense, you know? So I thought that was interesting. Okay. All right. So um, let me just quote from Romans 10 verses 11 through 13 really quickly. It says, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it does not matter even if Jesus was white based on what, um, you know, Sean King is saying about these depictions. Even if Jesus was white, the main point is he wasn't. But even if he was, the main point is whoever believes on him, no matter where you're from, no matter what look, what you look like, what, no matter what tribe you're from, no matter what language you speak, he or she who calls on him shall be saved, right? Whoever calls on him as Lord, right? Whoever believes that he was raised um, from the dead, whoever believes in their heart that um, he was raised from the dead, they shall be saved. So all of this about Jesus being white and Christianity being the white man's religion is just, you know, hogwash at the end of the day, because it's just, I mean, but seriously, think about it. I'm going to let you guys read the rest of the piece to understand why uh, that particular myth doesn't make any sense. But just on the surface, if King James made up this religion and King James is a white man in England and he's a king, why would he make up a religion based on a Hebrew man? born in the Middle East, right outside of Africa, you know, like think about it, think about it, you know okay, moving on so myth three um, the claim is the Bible promotes racism, the Bible promotes racism according to this myth, right, um, so let's look at Acts 10.34, it says in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality but in every nation Whoever in every nation, by the way, nation in the Bible, when you look it up in the concordance, the Greek term for nation is ethnos. Hope I'm saying that correctly. And that is translated in English to ethnicity, or as we may call it, we may use the word race, right? Because we may use that for skin color or whatnot. But the point is you are categorizing people by people group. And the Lord is saying, no matter who your people are, who your people, who, who your people is, doesn't matter who your people is, does not matter what nation you're from, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Okay. Whoever fears him 
and works righteousness. I got to put that part in there because the LGBT community will use this and use this verse and try to say that um, God shows no partiality. So even if they're gay, it's okay. No, 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 no. But in every nation, no matter what nation you come from, doesn't matter what your race is, whoever fears him, you have to believe on him according to his word, right? You have to walk in his his precepts, according, of course, according to his word, right? And works righteousness, meaning what is right before the eyes of God. And last I checked, God said that homosexuality is a sin and Jesus being the son of God and being um, God himself and being one with God and being the word and the Lord spoke the word and all of that. And the Lord said that this is a sin. Yes, Jesus did say that homosexuality is a sin by virtue of him being the word. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, we're going to keep it moving. Okay, okay. So I said that this myth undermines the entire work of Christ who came to free us from sin because God so loved the world, right? We see that in John 3, 16. It further undermines the Great Commission in which Christ instructs his apostles to go throughout the world to make disciples of all nations. That's Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Um, We are also instructed to show no partiality to anyone, but to be fair to everyone. That's James 2 and 9. So again, I'll let you guys go back and read the full piece, but that's just some basics. Some basics I brought up in this particular piece to debunk the myth that the Bible promotes racism. Um, Really quickly, though, I would like to touch on the point um, where people uh, talk about the intermarrying, that the Lord uh, instructs the people not to intermarry with people of other races. The prohibition was against marrying foreign women, not because of their um, their biological differences, but because of their faith. Right. But because of their faith, when you see the Lord says that he does not want the um, the Israelites to marry any of the Moabites. Right. For example. But let's keep it clear. Ruth, who married Boaz, Ruth was a Moabite. Hmm, how did that happen? Because Ruth repented. Mm-hmm. Naomi's God was her God. Naomi's people were her people. Naomi is Hebrew, right? Right? Okay. So let's just keep those things in mind. Okay, again, I'm going to let you guys read the rest of this for yourselves. Share it with friends and family members who want to push this foolery and call the Bible, Jesus, and our religion, the white man's religion, the, a white man, or something that condones slavery or racism, things like that, or... or um, um, to treat people differently based on their race, things of that nature. Myth number four, again, because I want to finish this segment up. Myth number four, Christianity is the white man's religion. Okay, again, um, so so God, for you know, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son. I got to use that again because it's like so obvious, right? Um, so whoever, that's whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, right? So again, I don't know why, why, people would assume that Christianity is a white man's religion um, by using common sense, right? I do get that when you are blind to sin and you see these images of Christ and you see people um, from from history like the KKK um, saying white power on one end, but also saying Jesus saves. And as a matter of fact, there's this viral picture that's going around with men in their KKK um, garb and they're standing in front of a, a banner that says Jesus saves. And I just find it so funny that um, 
If anybody knows anything about the KKK and the white supremacists, all the same, if you ask me, uh, they don't like Jews. <laughs> I don't know if anybody knew that. I don't know. I don't know if your hotel brother knew that. I don't know if your Hebrew Israelite brother knew that. I don't know if your nation of Islam brother was aware, but they don't like black people. They don't like Jew. They don't. They don't like people from the continent of Asia. They don't like anybody because they're all about the Aryan, the pureness, the pure what? They they're they're about that. So they don't like anyone. And they also are very clear about their disdain for Jews. And we all know Jesus was a Jew. Jesus practiced Judaism when we talk about him keeping the law, right? He kept the law perfectly, the only man able to do so, by the way. In addition to that, he was born, right? Through the bloodline of David, of course, adopted through um, through Joseph, uh, through his his adopted father, his earthly father Joseph. Um, but he he was the, he was born through the bloodline of David, and again, David's bloodline had Hebrew. He had a Moabite, like got a little bit of everything up in there. Okay, so if we really want to trace it back, so I would I would um, actually suggest people to read um, the genealogy of Jesus. Um, in the book of Matthew, in the book of Luke, I think it's Luke three, and I think it's Matthew one. Okay, so my whole point is just common sense goes a long way, even if you don't know the Bible, even if you don't yet fully, you haven't even read the Bible. Common sense, think about it. If a faith that is telling you that this man practiced Judaism, right? He practiced the Jew. He practically kept the law, right? He was born in the Middle East. Most of the people have figured out a little bit enough that Jesus couldn't be in white because he was born in the Middle East. Okay, okay, keep going, keep going. Yeah, uh huh. The white, the white supremacists don't like the Jews. Jesus was a Jew, so did they really love Jesus? I doubt it. I don't know. If you can hate your brother, like um, the Book of John says, that if you, the uh, First John says, if you hate your brother, how can you love God, right? And we know that the basic commandments are to the the the, the main two, I should say. The primary ones are to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And your neighbor is everybody right and we know it's everybody because jesus comes back in matthew 5 and tells us to love even our enemies so how is anyone able to love um their neighbor right and and actually um hate them at the same and and say they love god right because loving god comes first so just thinking of just 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 some basic things so Sean King is talking about tearing down the white Jesus um, images and everything because he wants to tear down white supremacy um, or because they've been used as tools of white supremacy. And while he does have a surface point, ultimately, if anybody would just slow down and use the common sense for a second, they would realize that even if these images were used to do that, they're false. So I don't know if you want to fight that hard to tear down some images as much as you probably should spend more time building yourself up in the word. But that's just, I don't know, that's just my suggestion. But when I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this. Namely, I want to talk about how Sean King's call to tear down images of white Jesus um, can be helpful to the church and how it can ultimately also be 
harmful. And I also want to talk about a shooting that took place near my home on the 4th of July and why this particular event is why I am going to ultimately revoke my own black card. Okay, so stay tuned after this brief break. Hey guys, Verite Fu here. Some of you guys have asked for ways to support Truth and Fire, so here's three. Number one, subscribe to the blog and the podcast. It's the best way to stay up to date on our latest content. Number two, purchase merchandise from the Truth and Fire shop. We've got shirts, hats, phone covers, laptop covers, and other neat pieces to help you represent. Visit www.truthandfire.com forward slash shop. Number three, partner with us on Patreon. We have four tiers to choose from, so pick one and unlock the benefits of your support. Find us at www.patreon.com forward slash truth and fire. Thank you guys so much for listening. Welcome back. You're listening to uh, season two, episode seven of Truth and Fire, the podcast. Um, Today, we're talking about Sean King's call to tear down all images of what Jesus. And we're also going to discuss why I am seriously considering revoking my own black card. Um, As a recap so far, we've talked about um, the piece I wrote back in April 2016 called Christianity the white man's religion or nah. In this piece, I'm asking the question about whether or not Christianity is truly the white man's religion. I already know the answer, of course. And I go through and debunk about, I think it's four myths um, where I um, share through scripture and some good old fashioned common sense about why calling Christianity the white man's religion just doesn't really hold up, doesn't really make any sense. So despite Sean King's call to tear down images of white Jesus, um, you know, because it has promoted uh, uh, white supremacy or used as a tool for for promoting white supremacy. Uh, While I get that and I can see how one would come to that conclusion because people do buy into that foolery. If people would just slow down and think, they pro- even if they haven't read the Bible and don't have access to a Bible yet, if they would just slow it for the little things that they do know, because people know a little bit of something, um, even if they don't have their own Bible and they haven't actually read it in context and they're not, of course, uh, um, born again, right, to understand scripture through the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things that common sense will show them (laughs) if they only um, slow down and think about it, okay? Um, But anyway, so in this segment, I want to talk about why Sean's call is both um, a blessing and a curse, right? Um, The blessing in it is that um, it is causing um, some believers to really sit up and recognize the error in um, the ways of the church. Now, when it comes to... um, images of Jesus. Um, We know that the second commandment actually, um, we know that the second commandment um, forbids uh, us to carve for ourselves any images of God, anything divine that is in heaven or in the earth, right? So we don't do that. And we know that, um, we know that Jesus walk the earth we know that he's both human um um and divine so some people try to get around that um and go well his humanity makes it okay for us to um 
carve an image of him. But the reality is that Jesus right now is seated at the right hand of God, right? And he came from God. He is of the kingdom of God, right? He is of um, heaven. His his kingdom is in heaven. So we know that you try to do a little loophole, but that's not okay. Um, now, I've heard um, some Catholics speak about this particular topic um, because, I, you know, they're really big on idolatry. Um, they're not going to call it that, but they're really big on idolatry and they got statues and stained glass windows for days. But the reality is even in Protestant um, traditions, you do see um, images of Jesus in the little manger scenes and things like that. And I know that people don't necessarily use them to worship them or um, to be idolatrous. I get it. But at the end of the day, they're still images. And the Lord says, don't carve. He didn't say, um, I mean, you can make them for this if you just try. But he, he said, no, you will not carve for yourselves any images. So we should not have those images up. But really quickly, if we talk about um, the Catholic Church, um, which um, the Church of England is still Catholic, I guess, in a lot of practices, but is its own independent thing from my understanding. But the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin, I think his name is Justin Wel Wel Welby. Welby, Welby, hope I'm saying that right. I think that's right. Let me look that up really quick. You guys may hear my mouse clicking because I'm trying to go through and make sure I have the correct information here. But the um, Archbishop of Canterbury of, of the Church of England actually see some validity in what Sean is saying. His um, He's not saying that he agrees with the notion that people should storm into church buildings and tear down images and go outside of church buildings and tear down statues and things like that. But he is saying it's something that is um, definitely worth the conversation and worth consideration. Um, now, I have my own thoughts about <laughs> whether or not people will actually heed this, but, um, you know, maybe there are some smaller churches that would really consider this and think about removing those images, not because um, them, of them being white or anything like that, or necessarily because they promote white supremacy. I mean, if they want to remove it for that reason, okay. But the main reason is that those images should not exist in the first place. So that is the blessing in what Sean is calling for. It's causing people to take a second to stop and really look at the images that they have decided to put up in their churches. Um, now, I've listened to some Catholics talk about it and they go, well, I mean, depending on where you are, depending on who's the dominant uh, culture um, in, in that particular society is how Jesus will be portrayed because Jesus died for all mankind. And so if you go to an African nation, you're going to see Jesus as a black man. If you go to a, an Asian um, a nation, you're going to see Jesus depicted as an Asian man. You're going to. And I'm like, I mean that may be all well and good and true um, in terms of it being a fact, you know, but it doesn't make it right. <laughs> and it doesn't excuse your error as well. So yeah, everybody's, everybody's images of Jesus need to come down, you know, whether, whether or not they promote a, a, a white supremacy, you know, black supremacy, whatever supremacy. If you have an image up of God, in your church or in your home, whatever the case may be, take those things down. So again, that is the blessing in this particular call because it's causing these conversations to happen and it's causing people to really take a moment to look at the second uh, commandment. And I'm a firm believer. People mock me a lot about this, but I examine everything through the lens of scripture. Um, 
understanding that we are in the last days. And I get that we've been in the last days since Jesus's ascension. However, we are 2000 years later, we're much closer to the end of days than we were back then. Oh, they thought we were at the end of days back then too. Yeah, that was 2000 years ago. We're 2000 years into the future. I think we're closer now than they were. And even if there's another 2000 years to come, it is not a sin nor would I recommend, you know, would I not, uh, would I guard anybody or, or, or warn anybody against examining this life as if Jesus is coming back, you know, soon, right? Now we know there are some things that need to happen first. Now I'm not, I'm not a pre-tribber. We, everybody knows that if you listen to my podcast and or read the blog or watch me on, uh, watch my uh, posts on social media, you know, I'm not a believer in pre-tribulation. I don't believe that at any moment without any thought whatsoever, you know, Jesus is going to zap us out of here and, you know, everybody else is going to be left behind. And, you know, no, there's going to be a series of events because Paul does tell us, I think it's in Thessalonians that he tells us that though um, Jesus is coming like a thief, right? We won't be overtaken like, um, like, like by a thief, because we will be watching, we'll, we will be sober minded. We will be looking at the sign, the signs of the times to know the season that we're in. Okay. So I look at things that way. And so when you're seeing someone like Sean King calling for the tearing down of, um, a white Jesus, his reason, his reasons may be off. Um, there is a meme, um, that someone put up about black lives matter. I gotta find it. Let me see. See if I can find it. You guys are gonna hear my my mouse clicking and stuff. Let me see if I can find this thing. Yeah, it says um, it's on Instagram. It says I don't know how, but you used the wrong formula and got the correct answer. <laughs> so they may be doing this according to the wrong formula, the the wrong reasons, the wrong agendas, the wrong motives. But he's right in that these statues and these images need to come down. Okay, um, because if anything. Because these images existed in the first place when they should not have, um, it has only perpetuated sin because now people are looking at these images and people are um, casting God in their own image, right? So if you want to, we weren't around 2000 years ago and we don't have any true historical record um, as far as images are concerned to know what Jesus looked like. And if there would be any place um, to describe exactly what he looked like, um, it would be the Bible. And yes, I get that people talk about, you know, in Revelation, it talks about how he had feet like brass or or bronze and he had hair like wool. Sweeties, that verse, <laughs> that verse actually says, actually, that's my favorite word. Actually, it says he has hair white like wool as one of um my uh, friends on social media on uh, Instagram actually brought up his hair is white like wool not the texture is like wool but his hair the color is white like wool now it actually says his head and um hair are white like wool so what you gonna do with that hotep twitter and nation of islam and hebrew israelites and uh, black lives matter what you gonna do with that because it's head and hair are white like wool so i don't know what y'all gonna do with that but that's what i say baby so you can't use that as your proof text that jesus was a black man okay you just can't um 
but again going back to what i was trying to say my point is the the reason you know i can see the wisdom of course definitely of course just spiritually speaking that just demotes the holiness of god the 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 who god is like who are we as man to think that we can cast god in our own image right but the sin that comes from that is because of the sin in our hearts when we would make an image of God, right? To worship, whatever the case may be, whatever we would do, even if it's for our own appreciation, it's still sinful because we're going to put, we're going to cast God in our image. So like um, the, the the Catholic priests were saying, no matter what culture you go to, you have Jesus. You know, if you go to Africa, he's, he's black. If you go to Asian countries, he's he's Asian or, you know, he's, you know, he's, has a certain slant in his eyes. You know, that's what they said. These are the words they're using. So, um, and if you go to, you know, a culture like the West where mostly they're mostly white people you're gonna have white people but all you see though there is sin perpetuating itself because men want to be because we are swayed you know without christ in our hearts without the holy spirit without being born again we are swayed by the wiles of satan who wants to do what he wants to be like god what did adam and eve want to do they wanted to be even though they were made in the image of god and that should be should have been sufficient enough they want it to be like God as well. And you see these men and, and women throughout history who have decided to carve, um, probably mostly men though, but um, <laughs> um, to carve out an image of Jesus, sin has caused us to fashion the Lord in what we believe he would look like. And it just so happens that we believe that he will look like us. So while Sean again is calling for um, Western society to tear down white Jesus, and there is some validity to that, they're needs to be a tearing down of Asian Jesus, African Jesus, and wherever his little Latin Jesus, whatever, wherever, it, whatever, however he looks in your culture to you, it is sinful to believe that he looks like you, right? Because you're now trying to cast him in your image as opposed to our being made in his image. So that is the blessing that's coming out of his call. The negative aspect coming out of Sean's call is the fact that you're going to get so many believers, um, mostly Catholic is what I'm seeing so far, probably also Anglican, I cannot get these words out, Anglican, the Church of England, whatever, those, those denominations, traditions, child, if I'm honest, I don't know all of these traditions and, and denominations and all of that. I actually try my best to stay away from all of that foolery with the exception of um, if I'm speaking to someone that's from that particular background so that I can kind of understand, you know, their understanding of Jesus and I can share the gospel with them and go straight to the, you know, shoot from the hip, uh, shoot from the hip and go straight to where the error is there, you know, and, and preach the truth. But other than that, it's not information I need personally for my own faith because, you know, like they say, if you want to know the truth, um, the truth from the fact, the false, you study the truth all, all day long so that when the false comes in, you know it's false, right? So I don't need to know all these denominations to know they're, they're false. I'm looking at the word. The word says ABCD and they say, you know, ABF2 and it's just, it's just not a thing. Um, but the sin and all of this and the and the and the curse and all of this is that there are gonna be believers who are gonna be um who are gonna you know put the cart before the horse and they're gonna try to defend even white Jesus. Um he's trying to because I've I've already heard it in the news, including our president, including our president, um 
Again, you may hear some um, sounds of thunder and lightning in the background because um, it is storming um, where I am, but it's actually the quietest it's been in weeks. So I took this opportunity to record um, this week's podcast today. But um, yeah, so you have so many people who are missing what Sean said. And again, I don't doubt that what he's saying is going to be used for nefarious uh, purposes. But he's saying tear down depictions of white Jesus because it is promoting a um, white supremacy throughout the culture, right? Throughout the Western culture. Whereas there are people on the news who go, he's coming for Jesus. And yes, that is happening. But like, I don't know. It's just, I'm, I'm like, I, it would be nice if people would just say what the man actually said. But I do get what they're saying, that he's he's coming for Jesus. And, then, and you know, that may not necessarily be his point, but someone... Um, who's listening to him could very much skip over what he said, just like there are professing believers who are skipping over. And, and also our president, I I personally don't count our president to be a Christian, um, born again Christian, but I understand that he is a professing one and we're going to continue to pray for him to be saved. Um, but, you know, I want to get into all that right now, but I, I'm just trying to explain my terminology here. Um, but yeah, you have professing believers and, and things like that who are saying that, you know, he's coming for Jesus. So he's coming to our churches to tear down our religion. No, he's talking about traditions. OK, he's talking about traditions. And again, I'm not trying to defend Sean King. I just want to, you know, let's be accurate about what is being said. OK, again, it's going to be used for nefarious purposes later. Yes, we, we know that. But let's just be let's not be disingenuous, disingenuous about what is being said. And what is being said is we want to take down um, the depictions of Jesus as white. Um, but where Sean misses the mark is that he stops right there when he should go further, but he wouldn't because he's not a believer. But the further point or the actual point is tear down all images of God, of Jesus, because we are now trying to fashion God in our image, Jesus in our image, our Lord and Savior in our image, as opposed to allowing him to be who he is as the word has described him and the word did not give much offering of his physical um, description with the exception of in Daniel's vision. And it talked about, um, I think it said something about his, I have to look it up, but his skin being like Jasper or something like that. I have to look it up. I don't want to, I don't want to misquote it, but my point is um, regardless of race, right? No matter Jesus's race, scripture is clear that he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him, right? He came to his own, we know that he came to the Jews first, right? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God, right? It came to the Jew first. To whomever would believe, right? He came to the Jew first, then the Gentile. That's everybody else. That's everybody else, right? White, black, whatever. Everybody else, right? But he came to his own. So even if Jesus was Asian, he wasn't. But even if he was, the word says he came to his own. And his own did not receive him even if he was i'm saying was is in terms of his earthly um him walking in the earth uh during his earthly ministry is is the appropriate phrase because he's still alive jesus is alive right but when he walked this earth even if he walked this earth as an asian man even if he walked this would have changed totally changed the story um would have totally changed the gospel but just for the sake of argument even if that was the case the word is clear that he came to his own people and his own did not receive him okay 
But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John 1 verses 10 through 13. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what quote unquote race Jesus was. It doesn't matter what color his skin was. If you want to make it into this big thing, ultimately the gospel is clear that he came to his own first and was rejected and then took the message to the world and as many in the world as received him no matter what nation as we talked about earlier in segment one um quoting from acts 10 34 god is no respecter of persons but will receive all whoever no matter from every nation whoever you are right who fear him and work righteousness meaning what he deems right okay so um, the the stumbling block for this, uh, for a lot of people here, is going to be the fact that they're holding on to their tradition, right? Maybe it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a stumbling block for the Catholic Church. Um, maybe it's going to be a stumbling block for some Protestant um, denominations, right? That actually have depictions of Jesus in their churches because they brought some of the the traditions over from Catholicism, um, and even with, of course, the Church of England, right? So, I mean, even though um, the Archbishop of Canterbury, who's just like the this most senior ranking cleric, right? He's saying that. Um, you know, he would consider it, but I wonder what he would consider doing about it. <laughs> well, it's great for a conversation. He did admit that, but you know, so if you guys took down white Jesus, what are you going to put up? You know, you gonna put somebody else up or he's going to take it down altogether. Cause I do think, um, if I'm not mistaken, that Catholicism has a different set of commandments than what the Bible actually says. Um, we have the 10 commandments. Um, and we know the second one is to not, um, have an image um, uh, I think it's the second commandment. Let's see. Second commandment. I'm going to read this version. Okay. New King James version. Um, it says, okay. Yeah. I think I'm saying this right. Yes. Yeah, as you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in uh, the water under the earth, right? So as a God, you should not, you should not carve it. I'm reading this and I'm not seeing it say that we can't have statues per se. I'm seeing it as saying that you cannot make any likeness of anything that is in heaven, right? Um, that is in the earth beneath, or that is under, uh, that is in the water under the earth as a God, right? So the golden calf, like having a statue of a calf is one thing, but then you actually making the statue to God, using it to worship God, no, or to represent God, no, right? Um, so I don't think it's like, oh, you can't have a statue of Abraham Lincoln, having a statue of Abraham Lincoln is a sin. But if you were to now worship Abraham Lincoln through that statue, that would be the sin. So that's how I'm reading it. If you guys believe that I'm understanding this incorrectly, I am open to being corrected with this. But when I read it, I'm not seeing that there is a law against having a statue in and of itself, but that having an image of God or something to represent God, whether that statue be of what people believe God looks like or by making 
um, a statue of something else in the earth or in the sea to represent God. That's how I'm reading this. So again, I'm happy to be corrected. Um, just show me through scripture where I'm in error and I'm happy to um, correct that in the next podcast. Okay, but yes, I believe the stumbling block with this particular call is going to come from people trying to defend their traditions um, because they're, you know, instead of defending their faith, they're going to just like with the Starbucks fiasco, the Starbucks cup with not not having like Santa Claus on the cups and people. It's a a war on Christianity, baby. Y'all know how I feel about Christmas. <laughs> um, we know at the end of the day, the world is going to attack anything that has Christ's name on it just for the sake of it. Because this is for his name's sake, right? Just for the, just because of his name, people are going to attack it. So, yes. But ultimately, it is the gospel and the truth of our faith that we need to be fighting heck and high water, you know, against. Not... Um, not traditions, okay? So we need to be careful. You know, you want to cancel Starbucks because they won't put Santa Claus or the Christmas tree on the on the cup. And Santa Claus isn't in the Bible and neither, neither is the Christmas tree with the exception of maybe Jeremiah 10. Um, you know, I know people have different interpretations about, oh, that's the idol or, oh, that's the Christmas tree. In either case, Jeremiah 10 is warning against idolatry. And some people, you know, when you got songs like, oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, how beautiful the branches. And you singing an ode to the Christmas tree. I don't know. Sounds a little worshipy to me, but that's just me. That's for another month. We're only in July. Oh, Christmas in July. But we're only in July, but I'm not going to go there another podcast for another day but my point is that the blessing in this is that sean is getting people to you know this is the lord working of course in spite of sean i'm not giving sean i'm not giving sean clout the fact that sean brought this up should cause believers who are humble enough to really see the truth in what is being said even though he he used the wrong formula to get there the truth in what he's being said to ultimately remove these images to be representing um that which is in heaven yes jesus is in heaven right now hello he's seated at the right hand of god romans tells us that hebrews tells us that scripture tells us that throughout so we know that so i don't know why everybody's acting brand new um but he is in heaven right now and so um yeah so that's idolatry that that people would have um uh statues of jesus i know there's there's one of him um in rio de janeiro um uh let's see um I know it, but when I have to do things on demand, I, my brain doesn't work. Christ the Redeemer, yes. Cristo Redentor are my Portuguese friends. I hope I'm saying that correctly. But in either case, my point is that, um, yeah, so that will be the, the blessing in it is that we, um, Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot nor wrinkle and I was talking about the end times earlier so I, I think I probably went on a tangent but what I was trying to get at is that I'm looking at things through the through the lens of scripture in the last and in the last days because I know that Christ is coming back for a pure um and a pure bride and so part of the purification part of the sanctification process is to get us to correct all of our errors you know what I'm saying as much as as much as can as much as we can we're not going to be perfect um until we receive our glorified bodies but in terms of us being being holy and, and ready and standing um, as we should be and coming in, at his coming, um, we can't be still engaging in idol worship. Like we're not doing that. Um, the other aspect I'm speaking about in this segment is, of course, also the fact that um, 
the the curse of it all or the downfall of it all is that it will be a stumbling block for a lot of believers who feel the need that to protect their faith, they got to protect their tradition when it is not the tradition that we need to be protecting, right? With the exception of the truth of scripture, but just basic um, things that you're deciding to do because it's something you guys have always done. But we've always had this stained glass window. We've always had this mural painted. We've always had Jesus on the cross still being represented as being on the cross, even though he um, was taken down, buried, and um, he rose again on the third day. He's now seated at the right hand of God, but y'all still got him down there looking like a victim. But okay, um, which can have some satanic undertones um, because, you know, that's probably when Satan thought he had the victory, but okay, you know, but I, you know, I'm not going to go there. But my point is I see this as the Lord purifying the church, uh, but I can see that those who might end up um, falling away and, and this being a stumbling block for them, they're going to, they're going to get too caught up in trying to protect tradition and doing that is going to give the world even more um, leeway or validity in their point about um, what they, they perceive to be racism, white supremacy, and things like that. And it's going to end up causing, of course, I mean, ultimately it's, it's because they hate Jesus, but the reasons they will we use is because um, they believe that Christianity is, you know, trying to hold on to racist or white supremacist ideals. So there's that. Um, so yeah, so that's all I wanted to share concerning Sean King. I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to talk about why I am seriously considering revoking my own black card. All right. So stay tuned. Hey guys, Veritative Food here. Some of you guys have asked for ways to support Truth and Fire, so here's three. Number one, subscribe to the blog and the podcast. It's the best way to stay up to date on our latest content. Number two, purchase merchandise from the Truth and Fire shop. We've got shirts, hats, phone covers, laptop covers, and other neat pieces to help you represent. Visit www.truthandfire.com forward slash shop. Number three, partner with us on Patreon. We have four tiers to choose from, so pick one and unlock the benefits of your support. Find us at www.patreon.com forward slash truth and fire. Thank you guys so much for listening. Welcome back. We are now in our final segment of today's episode. We are discussing um, the call f- uh, from John King to tear down all images of what Jesus. And I did mention that I was going to discuss today um, the reason why I'm seriously considering revoking my own black card. If I've not done that already or if it's not already been revoked by others in the black community. Um, right before I began um Right before I begin recording today's show, and the reason why I actually began recording today's show is because um, there was a little protest. And when I say little protest, I mean that literally. Um, I mean that literally in the sense that the people protesting were little children. I'm going to try not to cry. Um, they were little children and um, there were probably about 10, no more than 15 of them. 
and um, maybe about um, about six adults walking with them, <laughs> accompanying accompanying them, accompanying them, y'all. I don't know. I just feel like my I just Porky the Pig, honey. But my point is, um, yeah, I heard them, and I knew right before um, it began to storm over here. Um, I heard, you know, thundering and lightning. And then the next thing I hear is, Kids Lives Matter. What about us? Kids Lives Matter. What about us? And I'm like, what is going on? What is all this commotion outside of my window? I could barely hear what they were saying. But when I opened the door, my, my neighbor happened to be sitting in his yard and he was recording it. And I said, what are they saying exactly? He says, Kids Lives Matter. You know, they're talking about the little boy who was shot the other day. And that, it made me remember um, hearing about a young boy who was shot on the 4th of July, only about maybe two blocks away from um, my home. And um, for those of you who don't know, I do reside in D.C. I don't share this information so that someone could come for me. Um, I'm going to pray for protection. <laughs> but I share that because I keep telling people when I'm having these conversations about Black Lives Matter um, and how people are challenging us um, believers, um, you know, especially black believers, black, you know, black Christians about why we should stand in solidarity with the black community and this and the third. I... I'm, I'm black, right? Now it's number one, right? I'm black. I grew up in Atlanta, which is black. It's a that's a black city. It just is, but it is. I grew up in a black city. I went to all mostly, if not all, mostly black schools growing up. We probably always had like one white person in our class or one um, Latino person in our class or something like that. So it was majority black schools. I went to um, Clark Atlanta, as I mentioned before, I went to uh, Clark Atlanta for undergrad as well as for my first master's degree. So I was around the black community my whole life. Um, and I and let me be clear, I love, you know, we call it the black community, but I love the black community. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Regardless of what people think about what I post on social media, regardless of what people want to say about me being a coon or a sellout or whatever the case may be, I love the black community and I do love being black. And I don't say that as a disparaging statement towards a white person or someone of another race, but I don't have any... Uh, I don't have an inferiority complex about my race. I don't have any hangups about um, being black or being around black people or anything of that nature. Um, I I work as a teacher. Oh, Lord. I work as a teacher and I teach reading and math. If my voice goes low, it's because I'm trying to avoid crying because I've cried on the air before and I was so embarrassed and I'm trying to avoid that. <laughs> I work with students who are this young man's age. And I'm going to read a little bit of a news article that talks more about him in a second. But I live presently in a black community. I work with majority African-American or black students. So when people tell me that I'm a coon or they tell me that I'm a sellout or they tell me that I... If people try to tell me that I hate my race because I disagree with what's going on right now, I have 
I can't help but take offense to it. When, when Christians, white Christians, white Christians who think that they are more woke than me to tell me how to love and to care for and to serve the black community, it is offensive to me. All I know is being black. All I know is living around black people. I've gone to school. I went to get my second master's at American, so I've been in white schools. But at that time, I was good and grown. I was a grown woman. My ideologies are already set. I'm in these classrooms with these people doing my thing. It is what it is. I've worked with white people and things of that nature. But when it comes to living amongst black people, working with black youth, do not tell me what it is to be black. Don't tell me that I don't understand what is going on because I disagree with how things are being done. And don't tell me that I have to stand in solidarity or that I should stand in solidarity because I am standing. I do it every day. I do it every day. And what's sad is I do it every day in the process of being bullied by my own neighbors who are black. It is their intention to run me out of my home. They've told me this. I'm a peaceful neighbor. I teach at a local school. And because I don't drink, smoke, get involved in all. And I'm not saying this is a black thing. And I'm not saying that all black people do this. I'm black. I don't do it. So there it is. Done. What I'm saying is. I understand. I've seen what goes on in black communities. And I've seen wage gaps. I've seen education gaps. I've seen disparities. But I would not say that it's all because of the white man. I would not say that. I've seen us do things to ourselves. I've seen how I've gone into communities to help and I've been told to shut up. And I'm black. But I go into these communities because I truly care. My first master's is in community and economic development. I moved to D.C. to work for a nonprofit that provides funding to local nonprofits that are mostly in black communities to help build houses, to help provide home ownership opportunities to mostly low to moderate income individuals who happen to be, of course, for the most part, statistically speaking, African-American, black. That's what I went and got my master's degree in. I came to D.C. 11 years ago 
for a job that allowed me to use my undergrad degree as a communicator in communications and to combine my newly minted at the time master's degree in community and economic development to do outreach for home ownership for the black community. I, it's, it's, it's starting to like, I'm just annoyed. Because I see that there are programs, there are programs in these communities to help people. I am, I work for a, I work for an, I got to be careful. I work for an organization that provides funding to schools that allow, well, my organization, but the, the program I work for provides funding, I should say, to schools so that these kids can get additional, supplemental, I should say, let me use an SAT word, supplemental educational opportunities. And that's where I come in. So I'm not a traditional teacher um, in terms of, uh, you know, who knows, I may be in the next school year, but I'm not a traditional teacher in the sense that, you know, I just teach math and I'm, I'm, I, I'm done. I specifically have a job where I go in and I work with students who are behind in math and reading and I provide them with that additional assistance. It's like, it's not tutoring. It's, it's just, it's something on, it's like, a, it's a much greater thing that allows people to close the achievement gap. And ironically, it's part of the No Child Left Behind program that Bush uh, Jr., his administration put in place. If we want to talk about presidents doing things for the black community. So when you have people telling me that I'm not acting black enough because I don't want to go march and I didn't put a blacked out square on my social media page, and I disagree with about 90% of what's being said right now concerning defunding the police and standing in solidarity. When you tell me that, it is offensive. It really is. If I'm speaking, you know, practically, you know, naturally speaking, biblically, Walking in the spirit, I know to apply God's word and ignore that and keep it pushing. But if y'all want to know my heart on this situation, it offends me when people try to tell me. And maybe it's a pride issue and I and I would ask for prayer about that. But having lived and worked in industries or, or, or professions specifically to serve communities for people who look like me, I went into communications because growing up, my mom was so resourceful and she would spend countless hours looking for ways to get us Christmas gifts, food, places to stay because we were low. We weren't, we weren't even moderate income. We were low income. We were poor. At one point we were homeless. There's a few points we've lived with my mom's um, ex-boyfriends. So if we want to talk about being a part of the struggle, I know the struggle, but I also know part of that struggle is internal. Part of that is us. And so what I wanted to do was to go in and help people who look like me not do the same things that I saw people do when I, in the neighborhoods I grew up in. And I was inspired by my mom, who was always resourceful enough to find ways to make sure that her kids were taken care of. She, was all, she always found programs and resources that legitimately provided aid to us. And so when people talk about we're underprivileged and there's nothing, there's mad opportunities in our community. As a matter of fact, during this situation with the pandemic and a lot of students not being able to go to school 
and a lot a lot of students not having access to distance learning dc actually offers low cost i mean like 75 dollar laptops people 75 dollar laptops and for is it free internet if i'm not mistaken free or low cost internet i don't want to lie i want to say free no yeah free free internet free internet and also low in, in uh, low cost internet and affordable laptops to those who receive public assistance so if the excuse is that well I, i'm on public assistance and i don't have the money to go out and buy a mac and, and i don't have the money to get in high-speed internet these different internet um i don't want to say their names because they're not sponsoring me <laughs> but no seriously these different internet companies are offering um they have programs that offer low and even so a lot of cases free internet services to low-income individuals last school year not last school year two school years ago i taught a g at a ged program in northeast dc where my life was actually threatened and i stayed i stayed there my life was actually threatened. One of the young ladies who I had to look her up and realize that she had jumped out of the bushes and stabbed somebody, did a, a did had had gone to prison or jail or whatever their case was. She was a young lady when she did it at the time. But these types of things, these are the types of things that I'm working around, right? And I actually don't have a problem with it. Because when you get in and you build a rapport with the students and you see the kind of impact you get to have, praise God. But there are a lot of students who don't always take to that. And honestly, people need to get real. And the reality is, I'm not trying to promote Darwinism because I'm Christian. I don't do I don't do Darwinism. But my point is, the reality is that God didn't he didn't promise us that um, the fact that we're being equal in his sight is that everybody was going to have the same outcomes. We're equal in terms of value. We're equal. We're equal in that we should be afforded the same opportunities. But there is some personal accountability involved in that. And I literally sat in that GED program two school years ago trying to figure out why in the world did I go to school and get an undergrad degree and two master's degrees. And I do have student loans. Oh, you know, I am repaying them, by the way. Undergrad was paid for a full scholarship. And my two graduate degrees, they were both partially um, funded, but I had, to, I had to take out student loans for the, for the rest of those, um, for the rest of that tuition. So I'm still paying that. But my point is, <laughs> my point is these kids, all they had to do was come to school every day. You come to school every day, you receive a stipend just for showing up. On top of receiving a stipend just for showing up, you got a free Metro card. So you had a free ability to get to and from school just in case transportation was a problem. They had free parenting courses. They had a free counselor too, as a matter of fact, on site to social, not social workers, but literal actual therapists. The, this program offered these, oh, free food, free breakfast, free lunch. So if you didn't have a way to feed yourself every day, you could come up to the school to get breakfast and or lunch, right? Depending on when your schedule is. Now, some students just did not take. Some students just were not rocking with it. But for those who I, those who would, they knew they saw what they had. And I saw what they had. And I'm sitting up here like, 
if if I'd only dropped out of school, dang. If you went to that program, they had opportunities. People came to speak to these students and gave them these easy opportunities to go to a local community college for free if they only get their GED. To go to nursing school, not only for free, but to receive a stipend at the end. So you get money for going to school. These are the types of things that are out there. And how do I know? It's because that's what I, that's what I do. I work in these programs. And so when I hear people talk about, hey, no, hey, no, resources for black people, and there are no resources in the African-American community, in the low and moderate income community, lies. All lies. My ex-boyfriend used to joke that he should have never went to school. He should have just, he's from D.C. He said, I should have never gone to school. I should have just dropped right out. And when he, I thought about him when I was in this, teaching in this program a couple years ago, because I'm like, bruh, what's up with all this trying to achieve the American dream when I could just sit back and let the government take care of me? So when people talk about that there are no resources, and a lot of these are not necessarily government programs, though, um, I would not be surprised if the federal government or local governments who are also funded by the federal government didn't have a hand in these situations. But my point is there are resources out there. So when you're out there telling me, people like me, that I ain't down, quote unquote, forget it then. I ain't down. I'll revoke my own black card. If, if that's what it takes to prove that I'm black, that I got to buy into a lie, never mind then. I mean, my skin is still going to be black. Um, uh, My background is still going to be what it is. My culture is still going to be what it is. But if some random person wants to tell me that my black card is revoked, then so be it. But here's the thing that really broke it for me. A young man by um, Devon McNeil was shot and killed about two blocks away from my home on the 4th of July. The irony is his mother actually works for a violence called a, she's a violence interrupter as they phrase it um, through a city contractor and she um, works for a neighborhood safety program that actually tries to prevent these types of um, acts and her own son got caught up in the crossfires literally of this foolery. The irony about all of this is her family had just moved out of this community a year, only a year ago and they were only back here because they had to run to get um, his charger. I think he was at his aunt's house had to go back and get his charger and right when he ran outside um, you heard crack crack you know and they've been popping firecrackers like crazy around here for the past month month and a half I mean it's been going on for a while so you can't tell if it's gunshots or firecrackers right so all this is going down and she's thinking that her son had ducked for cover meanwhile this little boy was killed because of an argument between two black men now people may want to try to make this about guns right and people always joke oh well can't kill Abel with a stone truth is the bible doesn't say how he killed him but the, the fact of the matter is he killed his own brother so if you want to sit up here as a wise sister in christ um um she goes by um stop and consider stop and consider if you guys ever get a chance follow her at stop and consider on instagram she i love her she's great but she brought the fact that we talking about standing in solidarity with 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 the black community right as if like we're the victims of all of this when 
Cain and Abel were brothers, right? It's not racism that's the problem. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Ultimately, it's a human heart issue. And you want to change systems. Okay, you want to hold police accountable. That's fair. That is a fair premise. But when you're just blindly flailing about and telling me that I have to abide by and agree to and stand with every ridiculous suggestion just because I'm black or just because right now the black community is the cause du jour, we're the new gay. And not really because we already know Black Lives Matter is ultimately trying to push the LGBT agenda. But that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast. So when people tell me something like that, that, that just disturbs me. But anyway, getting back to the story about um, Devon. So Devon um, went to a school not too far away from my home. And it makes me think about the students that I, he doesn't, he, he doesn't go to a school that I teach at. But it just reminds me of how close to home this stuff literally does hit but the fact that this woman who actually works in violence prevention lost her own son to the very violence she was trying to protect him from is sickening and sad and it's done by black men but we want to take to the streets and protest when it's you know all of a sudden a black life becomes more valuable when the white hand take it, takes it and people are trying to cloak it and say it's about police brutality nah Y'all just wanted to have another uh, legitimate reason to talk about racism. Because if you want, if you were talking about police brutality, you could have just talked about police brutality. But no, nah, you cloaked it. And, oh, systemic racism. Okay. What about the system in our own communities that's allowing this foolishness? What about the system of no snitching? What about that? What about these two men not being brought to justice just yet? Who knows? By the time this podcast is, pub- is published, maybe they will be. Because by God's grace, our actual mayor is involved with trying to find these men. But according to reports, they sped off after they shot this little boy. And the code of the streets is no snitching. So you want to talk about a system that's corrupt? How about the fact that when there are people in your own community killing us, you guys don't want to say anything. How about the fact that I live next door to individuals who God knows I'm trying really hard to love? Are finding petty ways to harass me every day? How about that? And we want to talk about Black Lives Matter? As you guys hear in the background, I'm hoping these are firecrackers, even though I'm, I'm upset because I thought the storm was going to throw a lot of a lot of these people, um, put a lot of people in, in the house. But my point is, this young man died at the hands of Black people. And guess who marched for him? About 10 to 15 little kids and about six adults and that protest was so small and they and they were marching in the rain guys they were marching in the rain and my eyes welled up and i said you know what i gotta go ahead and record record this podcast i've been sitting on it because i haven't known what to say i've been just feeling away about everything going in the world i just need to take a few days off i needed a break but god knows my heart hurts when you have stuff like this happening in these communities and you idiots want to talk about defunding the police and the main people saying it are very elite the educated ones by the way and the uneducated ones because they don't watch the news for themselves are just following suit and echoing what they say because it's about being black I used to ask my GED students all the time, oh, Trump is a racist. Trump this, this, this. Trump, you know, he's out there trying to start stuff with other countries. 
Who told you that? Where'd you get that from? Where'd you find that on the news? I gave them an assign. I would give them an assignment to write in their journal about something that they saw on the news and how how they dealt with it, or how it made them feel. A lot of times they couldn't tell me because they don't watch the news. They get their news from hearsay and Instagram and memes. But y'all want to tell me that I'm a coon? I'm a sellout? Okay, then. I'll be that. As a matter of fact, I am a sellout. I'm sold out to Christ. I'm not going to stand here for this foolishness just because you told me because I'm black. I'm, I'm secure in my blackness. You don't have to. I don't, I don't have anything to prove to you. But guess who does? Those people over in Eastern Market, when I walk through, I love walking through Eastern Market. But when I see Black Lives Matter in these yards, left and right, in these wonderful multi-million dollar homes, nothing wrong with the multi-million dollar home. I'm just saying. When I see these people talking about Black Lives Matter, great, thanks, finally, awesome, okay, uh-huh, sure. But I'm living in the middle of this foolery. And I'm not mad at it. I like my little apartment, by the way. Don't, don't, don't get me confused. But I actually want to help people who look like me, and I'm speaking from a worldly standpoint, of course, but from a spiritual standpoint, I also want opportunities to share the gospel. And if there was nothing else I took away from that women of color gathering back in um, at TGC 18, as much as that that gathering had an undertone of divisiveness, by God's grace, by the time we walked out of there and having had one on one conversations with a few women who had their heads on straight and talking about how ultimately we can create opportunities for the gospel amongst the black community. So we can, you know, not saying that all black people believe in false doctrine. I'm not saying that. But so people can come out of these warped doctrines about whether, you know, their blackness or or, um, you know, social justice or prosperity gospel or whatever the case may be. You want to stand in solidarity with the black community? You want to stand for the black community? Share the gospel. Tell the truth. Stand for truth. For God's sake. You want to be a voice for the voiceless? The voice of God is being suppressed every day in our society. The truth of God, his word is being suppressed every day. So why why not just do your job, Christian, woke Christian, and watch and pray, as Christ says, and actually get out there and share Christ with these people? Because people are literally dying while you're out here putting signs in your yard. And you're trying to use your master's degree, Miss, I forget the young lady's name, who went viral the uh, the other week for the piece she wrote. Because I, I have a master's degree and I know about Marxism and so that's why we need to support me. <laughs> that stupid piece. I'm sorry. It didn't make any sense. I'm, I'm sorry to be coarse, but I just, it didn't make any sense. It didn't. But for that reason, for this foolery, I'm, I will revoke my own black card. And I'm going to continue to do what I do. And I don't have anything to prove to anybody. But I just wanted to share that right quick. You don't have to talk about revoking my black card, baby. You can have it. I belong to Christ. I belong to a higher kingdom anyway. I belong to a a, a called out people anyway. Now, I can live that through my earthly identity as a black person. But if you don't want to invite me to the cookout because I won't stand for foolery, it's cool. I'll get a George Foreman grill and do my own thing. 
with that said, I will be back uh, with my uh, final thoughts to conclude today's show. Stay tuned. Hey guys, Verite Fu here. Some of you guys have asked for ways to support Truth and Fire, so here's three. Number one, subscribe to the blog and the podcast. It's the best way to stay up to date on our latest content. Number two, purchase merchandise from the Truth and Fire shop. We've got shirts, hats, phone covers, laptop covers, and other neat pieces to help you represent. Visit www.truthandfire.com forward slash shop. Number three, partner with us on Patreon. We have four tiers to choose from, so pick one and unlock the benefits of your support. Find us at www.patreon.com forward slash truth and fire. Thank you guys so much for listening. Welcome back. Um, The last segment was officially the last segment of my thoughts, but this is the final, final segment of today's show. Um, I just want to take a moment to thank you guys so much for rocking with me. You guys know I get emotional. Um, (laughs) I just... It's just, it's just too much in the world. Maybe that's why I'm, why I'm a writer because I need to filter my thoughts through pen and paper because otherwise just speaking them out loud, it's just too much. But anyway, um, I just want to thank you guys for your patience with me as I work through these things, even live, even on air. And, and though I can go back and edit, edit these things, it takes a lot of time. Editing a podcast is much more uh, traumatic for me <laughs> than editing written words. So a lot of stuff is probably going to stay in. But um, with all that said, I just want to thank you guys for listening um, and tuning in um, each show. Uh, but I wanted to close today's um, show with some thoughts I shared on Instagram. Um, as I read earlier from John, um, no matter uh, Jesus's race, um, I mentioned Uh, scripture is clear that again he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him he came to his own and his own did not receive him but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God. Okay. So people want to talk about Jesus' hair and what he looked like. People want to make Jesus black. People want to tear down images of white Jesus. And though I I do agree that, um, any image of Jesus needs to come down at the end of the day, no matter what image is up of Jesus that might be causing you to stumble, use your common sense as you consider tearing down these false ideas of Jesus and, um, and, 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 standing up for an oppressed people consider that at the end of the day those of us who believe on Christ will be those who will be truly oppressed in this in this society at some point and also that um if we are to it's going to be because we're fighting for our faith and not because of tradition um and mankind at the end of the day is just sinful and they need Christ so please woke Christians or not do our let's do our jobs and just share share Christ you know Um, People take issue with me saying, you know, if you're going to protest, just try to share the gospel. Who are you to tell people how to protest? Well, I mean, the thing is, (laughs) if you're going to the protest in the name of Christ, that tells you how to protest. I mean, that's what I, 
timing because these protests got all these other agendas attached to them. And there's really nothing that you can say that hasn't already been said. As I mentioned in my most recent um, piece, I'm so tired of talking about black stuff, but I also was tired of talking about COVID stuff. But whatever is the topic du jour, you guys know I'm on it. Um, But um, uh, the most recent piece that I wrote um, about... um, Uh, Black Lives Matter, wait, where's the church? I talk about how everybody's listening to uh, the black community right now. So the church is talking about standing for the voiceless. Mm -mm, They're not voiceless. They have have the freedom of speech. They are protesting. They're making their voices heard. And Uber and and Hulu and Sprite and all these major brands and elected officials and, of course, including our president. People are listening. Influential people and influential brands and companies are listening. So church, you don't need to do anything additional except to do the one thing that no one else is able to do, which is to share Christ. If we fail at sharing the truth and we let these people like the Nation of Islam and any other religion, even a false gospel, get a hold of these people, it's it's all downhill. So Love your brother, love the black community enough to share Christ with them, whether you're white, black, Asian, whatever, you know, Hispanic, Latino, share the gospel with um, the black community. If it is your goal to stand with the black community right now, stand stand on the truth of God and start with the gospel. Um, okay. Um, so yeah, so no matter what Jesus looks like, he calls all men everywhere to repent. Okay. Um, we see that in uh, Luke 13, when he says, you know, they're giving him all these reasons, like why these people died the way they died. And he's like, you know what? If you don't repent, you will likewise perish. So, I mean, we can go around the details about how people died, why people died. They died because they were more sinful. In this case, we're saying people are dying because they're so innocent or they're because they're uh, victims. Regardless, everybody, whether they die as an innocent victim, um, meaning they didn't do anything wrong that caught, which that you know that led to their death, or um, they died in the midst of committing a crime, everybody needs the gospel. All men everywhere are being called to repent. As the Lord says in Acts 17, verses 30 through 31, truly these these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained, meaning Christ. He has given assurance to he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So if people ever doubted whether or not God's word is true and whether or not his judgment is going to come, just know that the fact that Jesus is risen is evidence enough. And if you don't believe in that, then um, you'll be uh, on the other side with the with the uh, grapes of wrath and, um, you know, we'll be over here. Um, so yeah, so that's all I have to say. I, I don't want to ramble and this episode has been long enough. Y'all know that's how I do. Um, but thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you guys for your support. Thank you guys so much for those of you who've been purchasing merchandise from Truth and Fire, uh, the Truth and Fire shop. I do apologize for the, the, the uh, delays in um, your orders. Um, I've updated the website to reflect that uh, my vendor is now telling me that they're experiencing delays up to as much as six weeks. So if you're trying to buy a t-shirt or anything that has my logo printed on it, it may take a while, guys. I'm just telling you that in advance. If you're trying to plan to do something like, you know, in the next week or so and you want to order something, 
mm-mm, don't, don't set yourself up. Um, and I'm okay if you decide that you don't want to order anything because you don't want to wait. That's fine. Um, that is, you know, purchasing merchandise is yet another way to support the blog, but you can also support the blog by praying for me um, and praying for the blog and praying for the podcast. You can support by um, calling in and leaving a message um, of encouragement. I have um, a, um, a link on uh, the Truth and Fire, the podcast was truthandfire.com forward slash the podcast. So on our podcast page, there's an area for you to leave a message of encouragement or whatever you, it is you want to share um, concerning um, things of faith that I could use for future episodes. So I will play it then. Um, you also have the opportunity um, you can give through Patreon. I'm just saying I have some new Patreon supporters. Thank you. Welcome, guys. Um, and then also um, uh, there have been people who've been cash apping me. Thank you, guys. That's nice. Um, but I'm not saying you can, you know, your support is only necessary or only worthy if it's financial. If you just want to pray, if you want to leave messages of encouragement, those really do help me um, because there are days when I'm just feeling overwhelmed and I'm down like I did this past weekend. I just need some time with the Lord. So if you want to do that, those are helpful. Um, But that's all I have to say. Um, Otherwise, I'll just ramble on. So thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your encouragement. And thank you for listening. Truth and Fire, the podcast has been brought to you by truthandfire.com, where we explore faith and pop culture from a witty Christian perspective. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, let us know. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at VeriteEfu. That's V-E-R-I-T-E-E-T-F-E-U. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We hope you'll join us next time. Thanks for listening.